You are listening to The Partner Podcast, relevant information to enhance the careers and improve the lives of partner-level attorneys. Produced by The Attorney Search Group, we grow law firms and accelerate attorney careers. Visit us on the web at attorneysearchgroup.com. David Smith, Ph.D., is the co-author of Athena Rising, How and Why Men Should Mentor Women, and is the Associate Professor of Sociology in the National Security Affairs Department at the United States Naval War College. A former Navy pilot and Naval Academy graduate, Dr. Smith led diverse organizations of women and men culminating in command of a squadron in combat and flew more than 3,000 hours over 30 years, including combat missions in Iraq and Afghanistan. Dr. Smith is the author of numerous journal articles and book chapters, many on the topic of gender and the workplace. I've got with me on the podcast, David Smith, Associate Professor of Sociology, the U.S. Naval War College. And our topic is developing diversity and inclusion, emphasizing mentorship, sponsorship, and allyship as it relates to business outcomes and development. And David, thanks for joining me today on the podcast. Thanks for having me, Scott. It's great to be here with you. You bet. And let's first talk about your background is really interesting to me. I know that you're an Annapolis graduate. Kind of tell everybody how you uh, developed in your career and how you came to the point of the work that you're doing on this topic. Yeah. So I I did spend a little over 30 years in, in the Navy, uh, most of that as a, as a Navy pilot. The last 10 years or so of it, I spent, believe it or not, in a very small program as an academic uh, teaching at the Naval Academy. So I was uh, considered a permanent military professor, I had gone back, got my PhD in sociology um, and taught at the Naval Academy for a little over seven years there in the leadership, ethics and law department, teaching core leadership and ethics classes and then my sociology electives. All of my research, although I my specialty areas are in social psychology, all my research has been in the area of the intersection of gender, work, and family. And I started doing a lot of work initially in looking at dual career families and, and later on looking at retention issues, uh, in particular for, for women and male uh, professions out there. Uh, have worked more recently looking at bias, different kinds of bias and performance evaluations, which is really fascinating to me. Uh, we started looking at gender, and, and today we're working on our, our new project on uh, race, gender, intersection. So intersectionality as we look at bias and performance evaluations. But one of the things that stood out to me uh, for many years as I was doing this research was the challenge of, of really kind of leveling the playing field in, in any profession um, out there today, and especially ones that are traditionally male-dominated, was really challenging in lots of ways. And there's a lot of focus on, of course, from a gender perspective, focus on women's leadership and women's initiatives and diversity and inclusion initiatives out there. But we really aren't, you know, really not moving the dial very quickly out there. And one of the things that was very clear to me and one of my colleagues at the Naval Academy, uh, Dr. Brad Johnson, Brad and I were looking at, in particular, how men were not looking at this as being part of the solution is, in other words, that this was a women's issue and therefore was not part of their, uh, was not something for them to be concerned with. And so as we think about professional development and leader development and which brings in the mentoring and sponsoring aspects in particular, that the men, you know, were not involved as much when it came to looking at how they were engaged in professional development. And so Brad and I started in our time at the Naval Academy 
by writing a book called Athena Rising. And we did the original research on cross-gender uh, mentoring and sponsoring relationships. And the focus there in particular was looking at how um, we can engage men and uh, in, in being better mentors and sponsors for, for not just men, but for women and, and looking at how we can how we can affect that. And it was, it was a really um, a lot of fun writing the book. We, we had the great opportunity to interview hundreds of women, senior women at the top of their game for the most part across industries. And they're, in many cases, they're male mentors. And it was a lot of fun uh, learning about the best practices. And, and much of the book is, the, is uh, centered around the best practices of how we can be better be excellent mentors. And again, it, it's the focus is on from a gender perspective, but it really applies across all, all the different aspects as we think about diversity. Well, I think that's interesting how your background, just because you and I share the same college, if you want to call it a college, at Annapolis, <laughs> 90% men when we were there. Uh, now I know it's 80% men, 20% women. And then you work in a male-dominated profession, yet studying this issue and I know from my work as a recruiter for law firms, associates are usually 50-50, but then the partnership ranks are usually 85 men, 15% women, and even less than that, less women in the equity ranks of partnerships. So it's, I think it's appropriate that you have this background where taking an academic perspective really kind of nullifies anybody that can give any pushback to this topic. So kind of tell me about some of the, the salient points of the book and mentoring in general. Tell me about the men and women and the interdynamics between mentorship. Uh, so, for example, how and why men should mentor women and, and other pushback related to that area. Yeah, so the thing of rising, you know, the, the book is focused on, the, the first half of the book is focused on the why part about why men need to engage. And, you know, one of the, one of the challenges out there is that sometimes in a lot of, a lot of industries, and, and certainly the legal profession being one of those, is that we we often will look at it and go well? Why should men need to mentor women? You know, why can't women mentor other women? And the answer is that they they right, do, right. they should, and they are doing that. But I think as you very astutely pointed out, as you look at the numbers, um, as you become more senior in the ranks, certainly at the lower part coming in, we're doing a great job of recruiting diverse talent across industries today. I mean, just incredible efforts out there today to, to do the recruiting and, and lots of resources being spent on it. But when it comes to the senior levels, as we think about the retention aspect in particular, the numbers just aren't there. And so there just aren't enough senior women really to do all of that mentoring and sponsoring for the junior women coming through the door. So in many ways, it's a it's really kind of a numbers game. The other aspect I think that gets lost from a mentoring and sponsoring aspect is forgetting that in great mentoring relationships, that these are more mutual, right? So there's a more reciprocal nature and mm-hmm. that there's a, a give and take, there's a learning and developing going on both for the mentor and the mentee. And we tend to focus on the one way, right? The kind of the Brad and I talk about the traditional guru model of mentoring that we've all probably grown up around. And that's this, I'm going to find this great sage mentor, right? That's going to give me all this incredible advice, show me the golden path. And, you know, life is going to be wonderful. Well, the reality is that most of us understand that that's not the way it works and that there is a a bit of a give and take there. And that you know, we find in the research, and we certainly found it again in ours, that mentors and in our research, male mentors, they, there were a lot of benefits to, to the mentoring people who didn't look like them broadly. And was that a surprise? Was that a surprise to you in your research? 
there was prior research out there that showed that mentors do. Uh, there are benefits to it. There's uh, a lot of different benefits that we find in the research, but there wasn't that research done on the cross-gender aspect. So that was something we were looking for. We were curious if we were going to find it. And as it turned out, we did. And it was really interesting to hear the stories about. So I think the anecdotes were really uh, quite compelling. And you know, one of the things that for us was kind of an aha moment was as we got to the end of all of the looking at all the male mentors that we interviewed, and these are some really senior men across the world, many of them, and we didn't ask them this question, many of them would come to the conclusion at the end of the interview, they're like, wow, you know, I feel a little guilty about this, this mentoring relationship I have with this, with these junior women. And we're like, why, why why would you feel guilty about it? And like, well, I think she got more out of it than I, or I got more out of it than she did. (laughs) And I was like, wow, really? And I even had, um, you know, in the early days, a few years ago, when we were first talking about the book, we, we had the great opportunity to work with a few of our military services. Uh, the Marine Corps, one of them, was very interested in, in our work. And we got a chance to brief this, their senior flag officers, generals, and, and their senior civilians. And I even, at this point in the conversation with them, a three-star Marine general stopped me and said, Dr. Smith, Dr. Smith, stop. I, I've just got to I've got to stop you right there for a second. I was like, oh no, what's going to happen? And he stood up and he told this wonderful story about how when he was a colonel in 06, he was mentoring this, this young female captain in 03. And he said, you know, by the time after about a year or two of that relationship, he's like, wow, you know, I learned way more in that relationship than I'm sure she ever got out of it from me. So it just, That's interesting. You know, again, understanding that there's increased access to information, broader, you know, expanding your network, both internally and externally, in many cases we find. And the other one that we think is really compelling is that we find that men who mentor women, and oh, by the way, it works the other way around too, men who are mentored by women, have these enhanced interpersonal skills, higher EQ, higher empathy, which is mm-hmm. great. And, you know, from a leadership perspective in the workplace, it's just tremendous. And, and oh, by the way, you get to take that home with you too, right? So it makes you a better parent, right. partner, right. you at home. So have you received any pushback on your research on what you've published? What what has the world told you that may be in opposition to what you found through your uh, through your research? Yeah, uh, absolutely. And it, it, probably no shock or surprise, but so the book was published in 2016 and it was mm-hmm. just about a year later that Me Too went you know widespread across the world. And you know, this discussion and many many professions and workplaces today with men in particular around this, this fear of, of women that they're, it's not safe to be, you know, it's not safe to mentor women, right. To be not safe to be alone with women, not safe to have lunches or coffee with women. This, you know, we today in our, in our new book that we're, we, we just uh, finished delivering to our new publisher, uh, Harvard business review on male allies we heard this story all the time that there is this ab, kind of this abnormal fear of women in the workplace. Like suddenly Me Too had made women suddenly dangerous or scary to be around. Like, and, and a lot of that had to do with this, this fear that there was of uh, false reporting, you know, of sexual harassment. And, and so we like to push back a little bit on that with men and, and have them reconsider. It's like, well, remember what Me Too is all about here. And this is about, women expecting to be able to come to work and not be harassed or sexually assaulted. I think it's a really low bar. 
you know, I think we could do a right, lot right, more right. than that out there, right? And that when we hear this discussion going on around this fear and this kind of hysteria about uh, women in the workplace, is to push back on it and remember that, you know, there really is, there is no evidence to support the false harassment claims. There's some anecdotal evidence, but really there's no research that supports whatsoever this, the false harassment claims. And so we need to push back on that and remember that right. you're more likely to be struck by lightning than you are to be accused of sexual harassment in the workplace falsely. Sure. So what, what recommendations would you give for men listening to this that are working in law firms where their job is to mentor younger associates and they have the chance to mentor a woman? Is there anything that they should do differently compared to how they mentor men? What are, what are some of the things that should be top of mind uh, to that male partner that's mentoring a younger female associate? That's a great question. And we could spend another hour talking about that, but let me give you just a few quick ones. And I think what most people find when they read the, the how-to portion of, of Athena Rising in particular is they, they look at all the best practices from a mentoring perspective and they're like, wow, you know, those work regardless of gender. And, and the answer to that, my point back is, yeah, absolutely they do, right? Great mentoring is great mentoring. Same thing with sponsoring, the advocacy component of this. And great mentors, the number one skill that you know, every mentee says that they most appreciated, and, and in some cases, if they weren't getting enough of it from their mentor, it was listening. And they actually appreciated the fact that their mentors listened to them. And this gets at the, the mutual reciprocal nature of great mentoring relationships, that uh, mentors spend just as much time listening as they do, as they do, you know, giving advice or talking to their mentees, and listening with an intent that they're they're not making assumptions about their mentee or what they what they must want and really delving in and learning about their who they are what their career goals are what their dreams or vision is of the future and then you know depending on how junior they are helping them to make sense of that and to see where there's opportunities and and uh, opportunities for growth and development there so the listening piece is, is really important the other thing I think from a cross gender perspective in particular that came up quite often with men was that we we tend to always, I hate to use the always word, but a lot of us tend because we, we've been socialized to be problem solvers as leaders. That's who we are. And, and I think mm-hmm. that's very natural. And I, I look at that in myself and I say, yeah, that's me too, is that when you're working with a mentee is we're not there to problem solve for them. And that's, that's a little different, that's a different mindset as you, as you spend time working with your mentee, because they may come to you with problems or issues or challenges, and we're not necessarily there to solve the problem. So we're not sitting there listening, waiting for the problem to come out and then going, aha, there's the problem. Now I can fix it. Right. And women get this much more than men where men are trying to, as their mentors, trying to find the problem and then help women fix it. And this is where we, we often find in the workplace that the women are, 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 here's how you can act more like a guy or do it more in a more masculine way. And, and women feel like they're being fixed as opposed to adapting the workplace. So the listening piece was, um, was really, I think, quite important as we think about that. The not making assumptions, and I think is really important about who our mentees are. And that goes this is regardless of, of gender, but in particular for women, we had uh, the great opportunity to interview the NASA administrator at the time, uh, Robert Lightfoot, and, and Robert great, gave us a great story. He says, you know, I always thought I, I was this gender savvy dude, and I really kind of got it, and I was trying <laughs> part of the solution, which a lot of us feel like we, we are, And but, you know, I don't always get it quite right. And he says, here, let me give you an example where I've kind of stepped in it. 
I was on a hiring committee, very senior position we were hiring for last four candidates. One of them happened to be a woman. She was the most qualified and we were getting ready to offer her the position. And he said, before they got to that point, he said, you know, I just like to speak up a little bit here and, and mention the fact that, Hey, remember that, you know, this job has a lot of travel in it and, you know, and she just had a baby and, you know, it's not sure if she's, it, you know, this is the right job for her. And he said that fortunately for him, there was this woman on the committee who was sitting across from him and she had like flames coming out of her eyes, <laughs> looking at him and said, Robert, you know, I think when she applied for the job, she understood there was a lot of travel involved in this job. And I'm really sure that she knows that she had a baby a couple of weeks ago. So why don't we just let her make that decision? And he was like, wow, it was a aha moment for him that, you know, here I was thinking I was being this gender savvy dude. And really, I was I was making this really <laughs> fatal mistake. And he said, right. it just goes to show you that we're all we're all learning and we're all developing along the way. We're going to make mistakes. And that's part of the process right. of learning. So I think that's why conferences exist. I'm sure you've spoken at and I wanted to kind of ask you about that here in a little bit. But just studying this, anything that is a mindset that might not be how some of us were raised years and years ago because the world is changing, the world is evolving. And I think that the work that you do, especially because it's based on research and it's based on scientific research and study, I think that gives a lot of people comfort knowing that this isn't just something that's a fad or something that's just made up. Uh, So is there anything else that you can tell us about your new book that's coming out next year? What are some of the things that we should look for with that book, and and uh, what else can you tell us about that? Yeah, thanks. The uh, so the new book, the new title was just agreed on. Uh, so the title is "Good Guys: How Men Can Be Better Allies for Women in the Workplace," and and this really came out of the discussions that were happening as the Me Too movement went widespread across the country. It was. The mentoring and sponsoring aspects of engaging men was really important to folks, but they they wanted a broader conversation around how just everybody, you know, we could all be better allies. And and the term ally, the way we use it, just so everybody understands the definition that we, how we come at it, has two parts to it. And really this for men as gender allies is how we are showing up in the workplace, supporting gender fairness and equity through our personal uh, supportive and collaborative relationships that we have with women in the workplace, but also the public piece, right? And this is how we're doing the advocacy component in particular and, and advocating for women as well as for systemic change in the workplace. So we're, we're looking at process, we're looking at the organizational behavior and culture aspects and the things that we're doing so we can, we can get at the systemic roots of, of the problems as well. And so mm-hmm. Again, we, we had the great fortune to, to interview a lot of top executives across uh, industries in the country, both men and women. Um, the only men that we interviewed were, were nominated, uh, recommended by the women that we interviewed. So you couldn't call yourself an ally. And <laughs> there was no wow. self-nomination in this. Uh, women had to recommend and nominate men as allies and say, these guys are allies and this is how they do it. And so it was really a lot of fun. It's, it's interesting. Part of the I think the important part of this is understanding the motivation for why why do men engage or not engage in, in many ways in the workplace around allyship or mentorship and sponsorship. And there's kind of three broad categories. And, and one is certainly the business case. And, and we haven't really talked about that here, but for, for both mentoring, sponsoring and allyship, the 
business case is very clear and the research across industries today continues to pile up and show that, again, when you have more gender diversity across all levels of leadership and, and gender diversity is just one aspect of this, that this is where we see better business outcomes, right? So however you measure it, whether it's in profit losses, uh, you're going to see better numbers there for that. If creativity or innovativeness is more important to you, you know, you make, you make more creative and innovative decisions out there. You make better decisions out there. So the, the research right. continues to pile up. So I think some men approach it purely from that perspective of why they need to engage in allyship to increase and develop gender equity in the workplace. It's also good for them personally because it makes them better leaders. Um, they can engage with a broader population in the talent pool out there. The other aspect, I think, is a kind of a personal connection. And I think most men who are really thoughtful and engaging in this conversation will tell you that they have a personal connection somewhere, whether it's through a family member or a colleague or a mentor, mm -hmm. somebody they know that they were aware of this injustice, even though it may not have happened to them or they have right. witnessed it in the workplace. They They've heard it. And so this personal connection gets to that sense of fairness and justice that we all have. And once once right. you touch on that, suddenly that motivates a lot of uh, behavioral change. And I think the final third part of that is that some, some people just have a, a sense of altruism or social justice, period, and uh, reach in and touch that. And that motivation is what gets them started. One of the biggest challenges for, for, I think, for looking at gender equity in the workplace is that for as men, it's hard for us to see what, what we haven't experienced. And that's why the, the motivation, right. the personal connection is so important. You have to be able to see the problem before you can fix it. And we talk about this all the time. It's like, you know, it's fish in the ocean, you know, men swimming around and, hey, the water's warm and comfy and, but, you know, not recognizing that the water's kind of toxic to some of the other fish, in particular women, right? And so it's really hard to fix what you can't see. And so developing that That's awareness right. is so, yeah. so important. And I think, I think what you mentioned, just that personal connection, being able to see somebody that you care about that's in that water and something's not right with the water. It's like the day my daughter was born. That was the day I became committed to how the world treats women because I had a stake. Before, I didn't have a stake. I knew it was the right thing. And yes, I understand that it should be that way. But when you're, it's somebody that you care truly so much about, then it has to be that way. And so I think that uh, you know, from my own experience, just you're right. When you're not part of it and you just don't have that paradigm, it is hard to see it. So I think that's why just having what you've written helps it to become top of mind because it truly is the right thing to do. I hope that your book is a massive success, David. And I'm kind of curious, what, what are some of the services that you offer? Let's say if there's a law firm leader that's listening to this, that has a retreat that wants to bring you in or buy your books for the partnership to read. What, what are some things that you've done in business and law firms? What's kind of the menu of offerings that you can bring to those types of organizations? Yeah, thanks for that opportunity. So Brad Johnson and I, my co-author, we, we both get the opportunity and, and we do as much of it as we can. And uh, again, our day jobs as, uh, as professors uh, comes first, but as much as we can, we right. would love to support conferences and, and do keynote talks at all sorts of conferences out there uh, today, as well as working with a variety of firms and corporations on keynote talks, but also a lot of times with firms, they're more interested in, in doing workshop. And so looking at the practical skills from either a mentoring sponsoring perspective or the broader ideas of allyship, how we can develop those skills and people in the workplace. And so we, we love doing small group workshops. We work with senior executives 
uh, up through the C-suites of, of various companies and looking at uh, as well as the, the broader organizational leadership challenges and structural issues that uh, programmatically we can we can begin to think about how to make change. So everything from the lower levels of, of individuals making uh, behavioral change all the way to the top and thinking about the, the broader organization perspective as well. Well, that's great, David. We'll definitely put your website link on our show notes and also a link to Amazon to your book that you have. And when your new one comes out, maybe we can have you back on and talk about that uh, to our our listenership here. I'd love to do that. Yeah, so thanks so much. And uh, go Navy, beat Army, of course. It's nice to talk to a fellow Naval Academy grad. And uh, I really appreciate what you've done for our nation and also what you're doing to the workplace, especially for women. I think it's something that uh, that is due and I appreciate what you've done and thanks for being a guest on the podcast today. Thanks for having me today, Scott. It's been a lot of fun. Thanks for joining me. And if you have ideas or recommendations for this podcast, please email me at scott at attorneysearchgroup.com. For more information about the Attorney Search Group and the services I offer as a sports agent for partners who want to find a better platform, visit me on the web at attorneysearchgroup.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.